Hey, it's Eric G. Around the House is sponsored by Baldwin Hardware. For 75 years, Baldwin Hardware has been known for its first-class quality and craftsmanship in door and cabinetry hardware. As an alumnus of the Baldwin Hardware Design Council, I can say I have seen the details and quality from design to the finished product. If you're looking for a new style and old-world craftsmanship, I can tell you there is only one Baldwin Hardware. Check out what would look great in your home at baldwinhardware.com. It's around the house. Usually anything that's designed to kill something or take something out can have a consequence. Any, you know, we try to burn them out. We try to use the propane, um, you know, the tank with our, like our blower system as we go. But th that's dangerous too, because look, in your neck of the woods, you can't do it. You'll have a fire within like seconds of using it. And I've had it happen to yeah. me. So if you have really dry conditions, you cannot use it. So the funniest review that I had that I read on this one, we, you and I were looking at the product. Was somebody said, does this have Agent Orange in it, like Roundup? And I'm like, wow. No. Not have Agent Orange in it. Jeez. Come on. When it comes to remodeling and renovating your home, there is a lot to know. But we've got you covered. This is Around the House. Welcome to Around the House with Eric G and Caroline B. Your source for everything about your home all week long. Thanks for joining us. Hey, Caroline, how are you today? Hello, everybody in radio land, podcast land. We are everybody out there. It's time. It's home improvement. We're going to have a fun one today. Yeah, home improvement time. Yeah. Time to talk hard surfaces outside. Now that we're in uh, post Memorial Day weekend, I can, scale, I can call it summertime now. Technically, yes. When is the first, <laughs> when is the first day of summer officially? Uh, for me, <laughs> for you, I always say like for me, I always call it the day after <laughs> Memorial Day weekend. I go, oh, that's summertime for me. <laughs> you know, weather wise, it's usually July 5th here in the Pacific Northwest. That's when it usually starts getting warm for us. But I call it, hey, Memorial Day weekend's over. It's summertime. And I call it kids, kids out of school. That's my summertime. When I see like kids are home, that's that's officially summer. So we, we all have our summertime. I, I go with that. Our summer date. Well, I wanted to talk about, you know, you brought up a great one here with hard surfaces, you know, from driveways to patios to walkways. These can be a great DIY project for some. They can be a project you want to bring an expert in. But I wanted to kind of dive into this a little bit to even if you're going to go out and hire it done, you know what you're looking for. And there's so much space outside that we really need to address, right? I mean, there's ob obviously deck space, which we all kind of think about, or patio space. But then you've got decisions for your driveway, you know, paper, asphalt, cement, whatever. And then you've got walkways. Sometimes you have retaining walls and decorative um, mm -hmm. that all kind of go under the paver umbrella too. So lots to do and lots to think about. So let's start talking about here on driveways, walkways, patios, anything that you're going to be putting a surface on, whether it's concrete, asphalt, pavers, it really comes down to the base, what's underneath it. It's just like a road. You know, you see them come in and they're putting, they're, they're redoing a road maybe that's got all it's really destroyed, you know, like big potholes, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. 
that pothole is there because the base broke down. Now, many times that base broke down in the road from heavy trucks, a crack that happened there and the water came through and it compacted it or washed it out. And then once that happens, you know, enough traffic comes over and it busts out the asphalt or concrete and you have a big pothole. And when we're talking about base, like Eric knows a lot more about this, but I've seen it done and I've had it done in my own home too. You're looking at like 12 inches of stone. And I don't know if it can vary in what you use, but I've seen it done where you have, so you have your surface level, whatever that might be, your concrete, your Mm -hmm. paver, but underneath that you have compacted stone that's compacted down to like 12 inches, which really thick. And people don't realize that you have to, there's a whole process that's involved with compacting that stone and getting that all in. And it really depends on the soil that's underneath it, you know, and how much you're doing. So as a minimum, you're going to have about eight inches, you know, that you're going to have to remove off of topsoil off that layer. And it could easily get down to 12 inches, depending on what you have to do to it. So let's talk about pavers to begin with, because this is really the best DIY project. You know, asphalt's not a DIY project. Concrete, unless you know what you're doing, is not a great DIY project. But the base comes down to, it affects all those three things. So you're going to have to do the, the same prep work, no matter what surface you put over the top of it. But let's talk about first of why you see failures in, you know, a a paver type road. Paver roads have been around since, you know, 2500 BC out there. They have been around forever. You know, you see Roman roadways that are still in use and in mm. place today in Europe that were put in. Very true. Out of a cobblestone type road but it comes down to how you built the base underneath it. So you have different ways of failing. You know, I'm sure you've seen a, a, a patio or a a driveway that had pavers in it that just didn't go well. Yeah. Let's give a couple descriptions because I've got some good descriptions of bad paver jobs, but I'm sure you have. So give one that you've seen of how it looks when a paver job or anything goes badly. Yeah. So you think about it, um, there's multiple reasons for failures. A lot of it is like if you have a vertical failure where it's moving around, it's lifting up Mm -hmm. almost every time. That's because you didn't put, you put down too much sand underneath that. So you only want a maximum amount, about three quarters of an inch of sand underneath that paper. Because sand is really good. It's not organic, Mm -hmm. but there's no rigidity to it, even when it's compacted because it's sand. Hmm. So what can happen is, is that you can, if you have too much sand, you can have it on a patio where maybe you've got a a chair leg or something on it, and that will kind of push and displace the sand and lift the other edge up. Start to get wavy, bumpy. Yeah, so you get that wavy stuff. You know, the other reason that you can have a vertical failure on a, on a, on a patio like that is that your base wasn't compacted down below well enough as well. Maybe that sub base is compacted. And so the next one is, is that the next possible failure you have is a horizontal failure. So it's moving from side to side. Hmm. Usually that's, you didn't put the right edging on the outside to capture that, to clamp it together. Yep, You need your edging to keep it in. So think about it. If you have, Usually you have a different type of stone, you know, you've got your paver on your driveway, but then you've got your edging, mm-hmm. right? That's usually made out of like a, 
I don't know. It's usually made out of a concrete. You want metal. You, you, you don't want to use concrete. You don't want to use asphalt. Those are really bad edging materials. Those are more prone to fail than almost every other kind because they crack, they break, they move. Gotcha. So concrete edging on the outside of your paver or asphalt edging is really kind of a poor edging material for a long term. I'm going to get the most out of this. Hmm. What you want to see is more the the L-shaped or or triangle-shaped outside edging that you put the long like eight-inch spikes in hmm. and that you put around the outside edge. That is the best way to do it. And the secret is is not to use a galvanized or a stainless steel spike. You want a metal unfinished spike to go down in there because when that metal spike goes in, I want it to rust because it'll compact and tighten up better. So I actually want to see some surface rust eventually happen on that spike for durability. It actually makes a stronger grip into the ground if there's a little bit of rust on that spike. Mm. Now, the ones that you, you, you know, you'll see like the little straight edges on the outside those tend to push out. So you want to have something that's got a big spike in it. You know, you'll see those, oh, you bury it three days. It's just a straight edge. Yep. Those might work on a small patio, but on a driveway, that's that's much more likely to fail. I've seen also when people do walkways, they'll have like a framing, like a metal framing that kind of mm-hmm. frames out the shape. So that's one of the things. Now, one of the other ones that you see happening is when they get all wonky is that rotational like the sand got washed yeah. away and they start moving <laughs> around and they start getting wonky that way. That's another one. And when we come back here after the break, I want to talk about the debate between regular sand and the polymetric sand that goes between there, mm. because that's a big deal as well. And we'll talk about really how to lay this stuff down. We'll do that just as soon as around the house returns. show we've been talking pavers and patios and all that stuff and we just spent the last segment caroline talking really about kind of what some of the or the the leading causes of of poor installations of paver patios and about how the how you do the base can affect that and i wanted to talk here real quick about the polymeric sand and if you want to use it or not and a lot of it comes down to where you're at in the country if I talk to my buddy uh, Stanley the Dirt Monkey, he's a big paver guy out of Minneapolis. Because of winters that they get, they don't traditionally use it because that sand with the expansion, contraction, and frost heaving will push the poly sand, sand up mm-hmm. and push it up out of that. And now you've got these little spikes sticking up where it is pushed up from in between those pavers. I find that it dislodges itself. So we call, I guess, I don't know, I call it like a polymer sand, same same difference. That's what it is. Yeah, so I, we call it a polymer sand. And what happens is, as it, you get that 
expansion and contraction, it'll push up this sand and you see it dislodges itself quite frequently. Or you get a lot of growth. So you'll start to see your weeds and your grass. And this can happen after a year of having, mm-hmm. you know, a paver situation put in. So it starts to sort of grow all kinds of interesting creatures and weeds inside of it and pushes it, it becomes a mess. And they're recommending we do it almost every like year or two to replace that mm-hmm. sand to um, keep it closed tight. So with that movement, that's just pushing it out. You might be better off just putting regular sand in there. And, and, and not using that poly sand. And, and what does the regular, is it just typical sand? Like, where would you get that? And I know if you go to a paver. Yeah, it's just regular, just regular mason sand that you're putting in around mm-hmm. that. Now, the cool thing with that is, you know, but here's the challenge, though. And this is where the sand debate happens. You are also have a hill. It's not like you're dealing with that. So if you have heavy rain, Washes it, it could wash that sand down. Yeah. So th- you're going to have kind of a, you know, six in one hand, half a dozen in the other issue that you could have that sand get displaced with water running down. And I don't know that, honestly, the polymer sand really works any different because it seems to be the same issue if you have a paver driveway or any kind of walkway that's got some kind of incline and you get water runoff, it takes it with it. You know, it's just the process of nature. It's going to keep running through those grooves and just wiping away Mm -hmm. all the sand and and the polymer, the the same problem. And that is the one maintenance thing that you've got to be really careful with with these driveways is that you need to make sure that you are replacing that sand when you lose it because once that block starts moving around. Yeah, now you got sliding pavers. And you got sliding pavers and now you're resetting pavers and you're doing repairs. And you're driving. And that's where you're chasing Your F-150 it. big truck down your driveway, which puts a lot of tonnage mm-hmm. on top of those pavers. And guess what? You're going to yep. eventually, if you don't have it, push them on top of each other to the sides. Mm-hmm. And so now you're displacing them. So that's a big one there. So you just got to be careful with the freeze thaw. If it, you know, if you're in a freeze thaw area and it's fairly flat, I probably would just use regular sand in that space. Mm, interesting. Just because that seems to make more sense. That's what I would do. Now, let's talk about the basin stuff for setting these in. Because here's what happens. You know, this is where shortcuts get taken with homeowners and contractors is it's all about that base. All about so the base. So most of the time. Isn't a song? Base. See? <laughs> it is a song. Got to get in there and, and, and you see people on little patios. They'll come in there with the shovel. I mean, maybe you get the excavator or the, or the, or the uh, bobcat in there. But you've got to remove probably 8 to 10 inches of base. Of, to make room for that base down there. And you had that problem with the job that you hired out, didn't you? Where they just weren't doing the prep. We had a bunch of contractors, I call them the gypsies, that like to come around and they pick a neighborhood and they say, oh, this looks like a nice mm-hmm. neighborhood. We're going to ask everyone in the neighborhood if they want their driveways done. And they'll say, oh, go look at XYZ neighborhood. We did all these wonderful paver driveways. We'll do yours. You'll be over the moon, they said, over the moon with us. Mm -hmm. And the first thing we noticed, we said, you know, we wanted to do a paver driveway. And we're like, okay. They were laying the Belgian block with just a thin level of cement. So that was your, your, you know, your corner, your edging was your Belgian block. And they yep. were just putting it down with like a thin layer of cement and then the Belgian block. And that was never going to hold. You needed to have eight inches nope. of base under that Belgian block to begin with before you even laid your pavers. So they had to get kicked off the property. They had to go. Yeah. And here's here's my rule. If someone is knocking on my door, I generally don't hire them. 
No, you you made the why we did this. Don't ask me why. I think we got sucked in because it was a convenience factor, right? They were there. Yeah. They were doing 12 driveways in the neighborhood. Everybody, mm -hmm. you figure, oh, they're not going to do it wrong, right? Wrong. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> be done yeah. I me. always, yeah, I do not do the, if you're knocking on my door, you've just about guaranteed that I am <laughs> not going to be buying anything from you. Uh, just because most of the other good contractors out there that do this stuff, are busy and they've got better marking techniques and they come around and go, Hey, I was in the neighborhood. I mean, I had to call the police that one time and have the guy removed off my property. You know, it's, it's crazy. Lessons it's learned. crazy. And I, it's yeah, but here's the thing. So you got to get down there and get that base. And then they come in after they dig the base out, then you got to get the compactor in there and you want that sub base material, which is that virgin earth to get packed down. I like the compactor. That's like my favorite. Like when yeah. they come with the compactor, it's called like, is it stamping? They stamp it down. No, it's, it's, it's just compacting. So it's, it's a vibration compactor. So it's really just vibrating and, and pushing, pushing it all that down, down into a big, thick base. Yeah. So you get that base in and then you're going to come in and it's depending on what, what you're using down as the sub base material beyond that. So that base now you're going to come in and they call it different things around the country, but what it is is that it's a recycled three quarter inch gravel, but it has all the fines and stuff in it as well. Mm -hmm. That way it can compact. So uh, you'll hear it in certain parts of the country, they'll call it level five. You'll hear it called um, just road base. You know, there's lots of different words for it, but it is a three quarter kind of minus, but it's got all that stuff in it that'll compact. Down. Fine. I call it fine gravel, but you know, I'm being. Yeah. But it's that the key is that, that you need to have that three quarter in there to give it some strength to it. So with that, you're going to come in and I want to see that done probably twice. So if you're coming in with another, maybe you're putting six inches of that in. I want to see him come in, put three inches in, Packed compact it. it. Yep. Put another three inches in, compact, compact it, again. it again. Yep. Amen. And so then you're going to have from there on up, you can't really have more than an inch of space between that and the bottom of the block. That's going to be your paver block that goes in there. Mm -hmm. So the next thing is, is you're going to see them after that's all compacted, ready to go. Then they're going to lay down probably three quarter inch pipes because those have about a one inch side on the outside. Those are going to be your depth chart for screening. So what they do is they'll lay those pipes down in the middle of it. They'll come in with the sand and then they'll screed that. So they'll take like a two by four or a level or whatever they're using to scrape that off. So you have an even three quarter to one inch base. That's now that sand base. That's what the block's going to sit on. Now when we come back. I'm going to tell you about the secrets of laying that block down from here, because this is where the key is to get this laid out straight. We'll do that just as soon as Around the House returns.
his crime out of control around your house or business? Hey, it's Eric G with Around the House. I use Deep Sentinel, the industry's leading security system using high-speed cameras, artificial intelligence, and live guards to monitor your home or business 24-7. Live guards intervene when suspicious behavior occurs, instantly removing trespassers from the property and then engaging law enforcement when needed. Use discount code ATH for 10% off your system purchase at DeepSentinel.com. That's DeepSentinel.com. Hey guys, you're listening to Around the House with Eric G and Caroline B. I'm Zeke Sky, and I'm going to show you how to shred it out while you're building it up. Welcome back to the Around the House show. We've been talking about doing that paver driveway, patio, walkway. And uh, we've been trying to go through, Caroline and I have really been trying to go through and help you with some of those decision-making processes of how this goes. So whether or not you're hiring it or you're going to do it yourself, you've got the right information to make sure that uh, you've got the right people coming out to do the job or you've got the right skills to be able to do it. And it looks so nice. Like there are so many, just to talk on the aesthetics a little bit, because we're you know talking about how to construct it, but it's amazing now the color tones, the different variants in stone, the designing, you know, your pavers used to be so boring back in the day. It was like the typical, you know, gray concrete looking and just ordered that bright red. And that was it. It was it. Like remember it was like sort of, they also had that blue gray or then you had that reddish and then that was was it. Yeah. Now they have like, I mean, I mean, even to do, you know, if you're doing steps or you're doing anything, you know, coming up to your porch area, they have the incredible colors. Now we have like my driveway happens to be a beige and a taupe. And I mean, it's hot looking. It's a sexy driveway. You pull in and you see it and it's just, it, it's really eye catching. And then it yeah. opens up to like ours opens up to a big area where you can have loungers and a sit area. And like, it's, it becomes a place where we actually do a lot of activities, recreation and cornhole. And so it's not just a driveway. It really becomes more than that. So it's incredible yeah. what you can do. That's cool. That's mm. cool. Well, when we left off going into the last break, we were talking about laying the sand in, which is that last bit before you start setting blocks. And you don't want to have more than an inch on there of, of uncompacted sand. And so I talked about putting down the, you know, a couple pipes down there, you can use a three quarter inch pipe and that way it's got about a one inch outside dimension on it. So that Mm -hmm. way that gives you kind of where that is and you can screed it out. The next secret is after you pull those pipes and kind of fill in where the pipes are, now you've got this really flat layer to start laying the blocks. Now you start laying block. I do not compact the sand. Hmm. What I do is I wait to compact after I've got the blocks in to set the blocks. So that way everything sets down and locks in. Nice. Now the one secret to laying block is you don't want to drag it across, right? So you're laying something on a soft surface. So you don't want to kind of come in and lay them in. You want to kind of click them and drop them. So you're going to take that block, bring it up against the corner of the other blocks from above, and release and let it drop into the sand base. Interesting. Because if you bring it over and slide it into it, you're now dragging sand in between them. And now you've got a wonky surface because you disturbed the base. Hmm. So the secret, if you watch the good block layers that are quick, you'll hear the click, drop, click, drop, click, drop. And it's the click of them hitting the block next to it and dropping it straight down so it can land evenly on the sand. Hmm. 
That's one of the big secrets to this. And then what you can do from there is you lay it out and then you have to come back and make all those cuts. I was going to say the cuts. Outside the edge. Now, here's one thing. These are concrete. Many of these blocks are. So they are silica-based product. So do not go get the dry saw, the hot saw, get Mm -hmm. out there and do it. You need to be using a wet saw to do this with. So there needs to be water so there's no dust. They, They do make very expensive dustless dry cutters, but uh, that's pretty much for the pro. You're not going to see that at a, uh, at a tool rental store, but even if you've got somebody over there cutting, I don't want to see any dust and you better be wearing that uh, silica dust respirator. (laughs) Make sure you're good to go with that water. Not as big a deal. You've got water. It's you've got a slurry. I'm not worried about it there. You know, that's that's not going to be a dust producing thing because you're using water. It's a it's a it's a dusty project. I mean, even I think when they are doing it to the best of their ability, there seems to be quite a bit of dust that floats around, especially if you're doing a big surface like we did. You're not going to see it from the cutting if you've got a wet saw because you're just spraying slurry around. That's the you know, that's that's the the wet dust and the water, because you've got water coming in, you got the hose coming into the wet saw. But it's kind of like cutting tile. It's not dusty until that stuff dries up, and then mm. you've got a dusty thing to deal with. But that's what you want to deal with cutting those. And then you've got to deal with your edging on the outside to lock that in and to keep it from moving. So you got to get all that stuff done. Now, once you've got that locked in from the outside, that's when you come back and sweep in the sand. Mm. Or the polymer. And then, yeah, whatever, yeah, that sand mm-hmm. polymer. And then you're going to sit there and vibrate it. Now, one thing is if you're using the sand polymer, here's one thing you got to be careful with. You cannot have any kind of rain before you laid that block down or water. <laughs> because here's what happens. If you've had like the sprinklers run and it got wet, put the polymer away until the next time because <laughs> you are done. Cause as soon as you put that on top of the, of the block, it's drying right there with the polymer in it. Uh-oh. Now you got a mess. So dry you days. can't have a single drop of water on that. <laughs> so, and then, then I like to compact at that point and that way that locks everything in as a system. And that way you're good to go. Nice and then you can smooth. worry about activating the polymer, but I like to get that, Locked in, settle down, and that way you get the perfectly smooth surface because it'll all compact in and go that direction. Do you think, just for a comparison, do you think doing a driveway with pavers is harder than doing a tile job in your shower? You think, what's harder? Depending on the size. I think there's both have prep, both have complexity. I like working outside better than a little shower. Mm. Um, I think the, the shower when gone wrong, you can have it look beautiful. And if you miss certain steps, you've got a big deal there, but both are, both are technically difficult. Mm. Interesting. You know, both are technically difficult. I would say that, you know, if you're off a, a, a 16th of an inch on a paver driveway, you don't notice it, but if you're off a 16th of an inch <laughs> on a piece of tile, it looks like hell. <laughs> so, 
That's yeah. the difference, right? Exactly. That's the difference you got to be careful with is it, both the attention to detail are big. And once you get it compact and it's set, then the normal maintenance is, is just keeping, making sure that the edges are tight. You've got a good system there and making sure that you don't have any of the weeds and the sand and stuff moving away from it to keep it built together. It's called but, a blowtorch weeder. That's what I have for my driveway. <laughs> it's called blowtorch the weeds. Because listen, even if you do a big base and you think that you've got quite a substantial amount of gravel, you're not going to have wheat, they just come up. They start growing in that polymer of the sand and they make home there and they're just within a year or two, you're going to have weeds coming up through you that still block. have You still have dirt and dust that gets on there from the cars and from the weather. And then you have all of this that's coming in that is just just the seeds and everything it, else. It grows there. It's crazy that it grows without any soil, but it'll grow right in the, in the crevice. It likes when you think it. about it. I mean, if you take how many times, you know, in the hydroponic stuff where they have the, the seed that goes in the mesh and then it just you grows. Know, the seed pops out. <laughs> it just grows. It's, it's got sunshine and water. It's good. That's your walkway. So pretty oh. cool. So, Hey, go ahead. talk about, we were talking about different techniques for dealing with weeds. And different products. Oh, yes. We're going to talk about that. When we come back, let's talk about that when we come back here. Because I found a, a new product that I didn't know out there when I was working on my house here last weekend. That I was like, oh, it's not Roundup. And it's come good. to find out, it's kind of interesting. And uh, it's something that uh, seems to be a little healthier of an option than uh, coming out there. And then I'm also going to talk about that review that was funny, too. Mm. Mm-hmm. I think that's a good one. We'll do that when we come back, and then we're going to talk about some retaining wall stuff, too. We'll do that just as soon as Around the House returns. Don't go anywhere. Hi everybody, I'm Ari Kameen from Steven Adler's band and you are listening to Around the House with Eric G and the beautiful Caroline. Welcome back to the Around the House show where we've been talking about all those different things you can do with pavers and patios and, and all of that. And, you know, when we were going out to break here, there's one thing I want to talk about before we get into weed control that I just want to talk about to to kind of finalize our little talk about the patio flat services is that, you know, pavers are an expensive option. It looks cheap when you're looking at a little block, but mm. by the time you buy all that stuff, that can be more expensive than, than concrete and asphalt is probably your least expensive option out of that. Correct. You know, when it comes down to it. So I love concrete, but like, for instance, I have an asphalt driveway. Mm-hmm. It has done great. You know, it's was put in 1977 Looks like it's been there the entire time. But the problem I have is I've got these big tree roots. And so I have a very wavy driveway because I have 200, 300-year-old trees that the roots are getting bigger and bigger and bigger. 
pushing the driveway up more and more and more. Or you get cracks. You know, you may not even get the wave like Eric has, but, you know, if you do have trees in the property, eventually you get the cracks and, you yep. know, you do have to seal it. And then every time you seal every year or every other year, then, you know, you just get the same issue that occurs. So I, listen, I had asphalt for years. I don't even know. It was, you know, 17 years and I decided to go to pavers because I like the look of it. I thought it would be a mm -hmm. little bit more substantial. It was, I mean, cost, it's not cost prohibitive. So if you're looking at pavers, you're going... Yeah double what an asphalt would be by, you know, and then some, but. And so, nice. you know, mine, um, mine, I have to do some serious, I have one tree that'll have to come out when I redo my driveway, just because one, it's uh, not looking great. I think I got to get an arborist out to take a peek at it, but uh, it's a process to do that, but it's the major offender in pushing up the driveway and stuff out there. So it's going to be the battle that we have to go to. Do you have some, you have some parameters, though, like you can't just take down trees. I know depending on certain areas, <laughs> you can't just remove a tree. And even in certain areas in the Northeast, you know, there's guidelines. So what do you do if it's causing an issue with your driveway? How do you counteract that without it being a problem? I would almost have to come in here. And if I wanted if that tree was going to leave is going to stay there and I can't remove it. I would probably have to come in, raise that surface up. <laughs> Which isn't great because it's all, well, it, and on top of that, it comes down to my house. So it, it goes down to that. And so that tree is going to be a problem. But the good news is, is I think that tree is, has got some disease issues with it. I think it's got root rot is my guess. I'll get the arborist out to come write a report. We'll have to do some tests before it comes down, but that's going to be a four or $5,000 tree to take down. Trees are expensive. And then I would have to pay the arborist to, to make the argument that it has to come down. And then I have to go talk to the city and say, hey, it's an emergency. And, I mean, it's a process. I have to put up. Uh, there'll be notifications that go in the yard that says what tree it is with a map. Mm. There could be a public hearing on removing the tree. <laughs> I'm not kidding. It That's how it like goes. It sounds like a lot of money. Cha-ching. Yeah. So, anyway, that's just kind of kind of what it is so you and i were talking about you know i had to go out and i had some nauseous weeds in the in the front property of my house and i talked to my garden experts and they're like well we really like you to use you know the greener stuff like you do but they said you need to go in there and really nuke this stuff because it takes something hardcore so I went and I didn't buy Roundup for this. Yay. You should or be proud of glyphosate. me. Glyphosate. The official name, yep. glyphosate. Yeah. Glyphosate. I went and uh, used a different product, which is Ortho's Ground Clear, which is their product. It's what I would call the, the alternative mm -hmm. that is a much healthier version to use on your on your ground around your house. Yeah, and we looked it up. We researched it. And it seemed to be uh, less toxic, if you will, than some of the yeah. alternatives. What I liked about it, which was cool, is it's it's rated, first off, by the OMRI listed for organic use, mm -hmm. which, of course, glyphosate is not, Roundup is not organic use. <laughs> no. And then the the other thing is, is this is an ammonium nano. I can't even say this word, <laughs> nonanate. I'm going to butcher it. And, and I know there's people out there that are chemists going, you can't even say that right. You're right. I can't. Uh, but anyway, that's the active agreement 
uh, ingredient in it and it works really well for you know going through i'll let you know here it, it wilted the the plants here that i that i had to take down that are that are a nauseous weed we'll see here another week or two if they're dead but you could see within four or five hours that oh i sprayed that area which was pretty quick in the world of knocking down weeds and i've given my alternative right and if you if you google weed killer and you can use a a vinegar, a detergent solution with a salt. Um, and you can Google that up and to try that. Those solutions that are organic tend to have to be applied when it's sunny out so that you're utilizing the sun to activate the ingredients to strangle the weed. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there are alternatives. There are greener alternatives. But again, usually anything that's designed to kill something or take something out can have a consequence any, any way you look at it. So, but sometimes you have to. I mean, there's no way to... You know, we try to burn them out. We try to use the propane, um, you know, the tank with our our blower system as we go. But that's dangerous, too, because, look, in your neck of the woods, you can't do it. You'll have a fire within, like, seconds of using it. And I've had it happen to me. So if you have really dry conditions, you cannot use it. So the funniest review that I had that I read on this one, you and I were looking at the product, was somebody said, does this have Agent Orange in it? (laughs) Like Roundup. And I'm like, wow. No. Not have Agent Orange in it. Sheesh. Come on, people. They don't know. They don't know. They just know they it's know. toxic, which is which it is. Exactly. None of this stuff you should be drinking, but this stuff is is uh, a much safer alternative. <laughs> well, I wanted to talk before we run out of time. I wanted to talk about block walls and stuff, and it's the same kind of thing. When you're getting into a, uh, a surface like a stacked, you know, landscape block wall. These are very complex and they take a lot of work on the base, depending on the block they're using. You can't just throw it on the ground and stack it up and put earth behind it and expect it to work. Oh, it's, and it's gotta be built into your, I have a few landscape walls that are involved Mm -hmm. with my driveway and then also in the front of the property and they have to be built in properly. If you don't, they're going to crumble. You're retaining, you're going to lose. I have a huge rock garden. So that sort of in the middle of the driveway, guess what's going to happen as that water passes through it. It's going to slide all that soil out through the retaining wall, slide out your pavers. It's a mess. So if you think about it, you know, if you get above three feet too many cases, you need to have engineering done on that. Mm -hmm. So sometimes if you get over three feet, four feet, two and a half feet, check your local area to see at, at what height that you have to get a building permit and engineering on it. Now, many times you need to have drainage put in behind it. Sometimes you need to have, um, you know, a base like you would put for a paver. Sometimes I've seen them require concrete mm-hmm. beneath it. Uh, do your research and see what that block is designed to do and make sure because there's times that those blocks is not the right solution for what you have or you need to go to a bigger block or you need to go to a stronger block. So do your research. I have seen... 70 foot block stacked concrete block walls that are holding up 75 feet. What's stacked behind it? A railroad line. No, no. It's going to hold it. It's engineered for it. So it's a strong way to go. You just need to know how to build it. So it'll carry that strength and to be able to hold it up. You bring up a good point. Um, and I don't think we touched on it for drainage. If you're putting in a driveway or a paver system and you've got drain, you know, your gutter drains coming down where do those get placed underneath the driveway or the paver or the um, walkway, wherever you're, you know, wherever you're going to utilize it? 
in our last minute here, you should never have a gutter draining onto the driveway in any situation. Mm -hmm. It's a bad idea. doesn't matter if it's concrete, doesn't matter, especially if it's block or, you know, any kind of a paver or concrete, never have that go in. That gutter system should always go into a storm drain system that goes underground and way out away from it. And you should be also planning on how you slope that driveway to make sure that you've got water coming off of it, whether it's rain, how's the snow going to happen? Are you going to have to plow things? What are you doing in your area to, pitch to make sure that that's going to pitch correctly and where you're moving water? And when the when the underground system gets designed, does that go under the stamping? Like, so does that get put in first before you do your, yes. your base? If you have to put in, if you have to put that mm-hmm. in, that needs to go below it. It's also a good time to put some um, some conduit or pipes so you can go underneath that area if it's a driveway. I hear that music, Caroline. Oh you know gosh. what time it is. I'm Eric G. And I'm Caroline B. And you've been listening to Around, Around the, the House. house. Hey, it's Eric G from Around the House. Are you planning a decking or siding project this year? If you are, you've got to check out my friends at Millboard. Millboard is a completely different kind of composite decking and cladding that enhances outdoor spaces with enduring distinction. Hand molded from the finest oak, it realistically mimics the natural grain and color of premium hardwood. If you're looking for something that doesn't look like plastic and instead real wood, check out millboard.com. Make sure and check out that interview we did just a few weeks back. That's millboard.com.